I'm kind of freaking out, and not in the best way. More like a heart beating out my chest because I'm stressed. You're the best football player that I've ever seen. You'll be fine. You're a charismatic. All right, welcome back. Episode 80. We got a few more of these quick little interviews for you before we get to the miler. We are only three days out. Sandy and I have been over at the track this morning getting ready. We've got the run with Hannah and Ellie Hennis in the morning over at Rhinology and just a lot going on. So, um, first off, Sandy sitting here with me. It's good to have you back. Yeah. Yeah. Pat, thanks for holding it down. You know how to take a quick, quick shoot over to the coast just to see how things are going on North Carolina coast. Great time being with family, but it's always good to be back. These, uh, these podcasts have been great. You got a lot of great feedback. Love having the athletes on. Again, I know we got a lot of local people here in Raleigh who just love to hear about the athletes that are coming to town. We have a very knowledgeable crowd. They want to know, they want to know the inside and it's been fun that we can uh, provide this, uh, provide this forum to, to get some of that inside information. So uh, that being said, it's good to be back, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. No quick shout out Gavin Gaynor and a shot you text. He's been listening, went to my eye doctor yesterday, North Raleigh family eye care. There we go. And it was able to talk to uh, Todd, you know, Dr. Griffin gave me some unfortunate news that I have a cataract. Okay. 43 years old. I have Pat, a cataract, I'm sitting so, beside you. you know. Can you see me? I can see you. Okay, that's all that matters. My right eye is all blurry. There's no contact. You can fix it. But thank you to, yes, North Raleigh Family Eye Care. I know the answer to that. And uh, Todd was telling me he had been listening to all the podcasts. So so we love hearing that. We'll do these things as long as people are listening. And and speaking of the East Coast, we're excited to have an East Coast guy that lives on the West Coast joining us today on the podcast, Mr. Sean McGordy. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm very sorry to hear about your eye, but I'm very happy that at least you have an answer for the blurriness. So as a fellow contact wearer, um, I'm not going to lie. I hope that's not in my future, but I'm happy you got an answer. Well, your empathy is is very well accepted. Thank you, Sean. We're excited to have you back at the Miler. We were just talking off air. You ran this race in 2018, your last time in a Stanford uniform, correct? Correct. Um, it was the last time uh, I got to wear that, that red S, which, you know, will always be one of my favorite uniforms. And that was just a special time uh, kind of coming off of NCAAs. I was able to go over to Europe, hit a few races, and then just to end the season um, at Sir Walter Myler. I mean, it was a fantastic event. Had my entire family down there. And then we uh, got to go straight to the coast and uh, enjoy the Outer Banks. So it was a pretty perfect pretty perfect week and i'm super excited to be back this year man we're, we're thrilled to have you back sean you uh man you've just had an epic season we'll get to that here in a second the past couple of years have been great but kind of walk us through a little bit i know we definitely got a lot of runners who tune in who are definitely dealing with injury i know you've had a slew of injuries slash surgeries kind of walk us through a little bit of uh, what you've had to battle to get to where you are today um, yeah, so I guess the, the real battling kind of started in, in 2017. For the most part, up until that point, I'd been uh, pretty healthy, healthy. The only time I really had to miss any time was um, in between my freshman and sophomore year of college. I had a stress fracture in one of the pars in my back, which is a pretty unique injury. I don't know if I've ever met anyone yet that's also had an injury in like the pars of the vertebrae themselves. But um, in 2017, I had my first foot surgery on my right Achilles for Haglund's deformity. And so I uh, had the bone cleaned up, the bursa sac removed, and then they cleaned up the uh, tearing in my tendon that had been going on. Um, was good in 2018. And then in 2019, still not really sure um, how I got the infection. But um, before we go up to altitude camp, I think whether it was from an open cut or blister, I think I probably got an infection and didn't really notice the signs until uh, my foot kind of like blew up for lack of a better word. 
Um, and I had to have three surgeries that summer um, on my right foot again for an infection down, ended up being in the bone. So osteomyelitis and they had to clear all that out, um, put a lot of antibiotics in there. And yeah, I got a much bigger scar than uh, <laughs> from my surgery in 2017 on the right foot now for that one. And then, um, so 2020 was good. And then in 2021, I actually had to have the same surgery on my left Achilles as I did in 2017. So again, it was Haglins. They cleaned up the bone, cleaned up the tendon, removed the bursa. And, you know, 2022, I've been able to run healthy. Um, I look forward to breaking the streak of every other year. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a, uh, you know, sometimes when it happens, it's like kind of funny to joke, but I'm definitely ready to uh, break free of that cycle. But, but yeah, I've definitely been through um, more surgeries than I would have anticipated I would have in my uh, running career. Obviously you're hoping for zero. Um, but I, you know, each one's been a little different. I've learned new things each time around. And at the end of the day, it's, it's my journey. And I think it's, it's made everything up to this point, even more meaningful for me. Um, and, and yeah, so that's kind of my story with, with injury. Yeah, no, nah, man. And you've been incredibly resilient and you've had some great results. What, like, what do you think is the thing that has been the most helpful for you kind of on the injury and then just staying kind of mentally with it and in it so that when you come back, you, you've had some incredible performances, each, each of it coming back from these kind of what I would say are fairly big surgeries. Um, you know, I think a big thing was never losing faith or belief that I could accomplish these big goals I had for myself. Um, you know, I think that to let that happen, I think it's really important and really helpful to have a support crew around you. Um, and my family, coaches, teammates, girlfriend, I mean, I've been, you know, blessed to have, you know, an incredible support staff. I don't think I could have a, a better support crew around me. I think that definitely makes it easier. But yeah, what it's kind of, uh, I don't know why it was unwavering through everything. But I think I've just always uh, believed um, that I can, you know, compete at the highest level in this sport. And I think those goals have never gone away. And I think that's just been something that's been very motivating as you're building back is not losing sight of that. And, um, you know, with each injury, um, I think you're able to be more confident that you're able to come back. I would say definitely going through the surgery last year, I was much more confident um, in not only the procedure and the surgeon, and then just also in my own body to come back um, from that procedure since I was able to do the same thing in 2017. And I think the mindset with which you approach your recovery plays a huge role. Um, I think being confident in what you're doing, um, you know, putting purpose into what you're doing each day and really believing that you're going to be able to get back. I think just even if it's subconsciously and just for your overall like mental approach, um, I think that can be super helpful because mm -hmm. I think it can take away a lot of the concern or, or maybe help battle that anxiety of what the future looks like. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely not easy, but trying to focus on being in the moment. I also think just, just helped as well. Um, because yeah. you know, it's easy to get caught up in what you can't do, but I think focusing on what you can do and maximizing that has also played a huge role in, in being able to build back. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Sean, you had a big one this year, pre-classic 10K championships, spot on the, the team on the line, and you had a, a huge kick down the stretch to, to get third. What uh, Number one, how, how did it feel to kind of break through and make a world team? And what was going through your head with about 150 meters to go there? Um, I mean, the feeling after was just 
huge. I remember, you know, we're all kind of spread out after we crossed the line. And um, one of the great things that started last year is um, through Bowerman and, you know, Emily Pritt really, I feel like got it going is we've had this Bowerman cheering section. And um, my parents are out there, my grandparents are there. And then just also, you know, all these family and friends that you've just met over the years from being a part of Bowerman. And just to kind of look over at that area, you know, a smile just came across my face. And it's just, you know, it's more meaningful when you get to share the moment with the people that have helped you, you know, accomplish that moment. And that was really special. And I mean, I remember with 150 to go, I did not think I'd give, I, you know, I was not in the positioning I wanted to be. I kind of felt like I was missing um, Joe and Grant pull away and Emmanuel was, was ahead of me. And, you know, I kind of just remember telling myself you didn't run 25 laps to not make it. And just the entire last like 120 coming off the curve, just telling myself to just not give up, keep fighting. And I think I was able to see that I was gaining on Emmanuel and just to keep powering through. And I think that was what was really important. That last lap was not, um, you know, panicking when I wasn't in the situation I wanted, but just still believing there was a chance until I'd crossed the line. And I think that was why that was able to happen. Um, but yeah, that was a special moment. That's definitely up there. I think maybe like top five, you know, best races or races that, you know, you're most proud of or, or something like that. Yeah. And if, yeah, I was going to say, and so you finish that race and then you get a little break before, uh, kind of the Eugene trials, what was it like kind of rolling into Eugene when you knew you were already on the team? I mean, I mean I'm not gonna lie. It's definitely a little less stressful. <laughs> um, but I really wanted the 5k, um, as well. And, you know, I, I definitely was a little disappointed in how I executed. I think I could have just done, I'm not saying I, I would have made the team, but I think when Grant started to, you know, string things out with 1200, I really could have done a better job of just hard committing to try and get on, um, with Abdi Hamid and Emmanuel Bohr. Um, you know, Woody's just, you know, that final kick is just something he's known for. And so honestly, when, when he passed me with a lap to go, I felt pretty confident that he was going to be able to get top three and, and that in itself is special, just knowing that was going to happen, especially after what happened to him in the 10 K. But, um, yeah, definitely less stressful, but I think, you know, still wish I would have executed a little better. I think it's just kind of the nature of athletes sometimes is, you know, you kind of can have a short memory and you kind of always want more. I think that's kind of the the nature of things, but it was definitely cool to, to be a part of the meet knowing, um, you know, that was when we did team processing and that was when a lot of my other teammates were able to, to punch their ticket too. So that was just a really special time to see like how many people on the team were we going to have um, competing at Worlds together. Definitely, definitely. Well, Sandy, we're out there kind of as a little bit of part of the house and got to meet your folks and all that. Everybody seemed really excited. And the fact that so many of you guys made it was fun, but it's, it's hard to kind of put into words. And I know you're familiar with this. You just kind of mentioned it sitting in the stands. You can't really see this on TV, but that kick Woody had, (laughs) it was absolutely (laughs) insane. I, I don't know if I've ever seen like that, anything like that. My question for you is, you've always been known as the guy in practice that leads workouts. Does Woody ever just throw these silly kicks out when you're, when you're, he's doing a workout and he's, he's having a hard time hanging on. Um, well, it's actually funny. You asked that because there was a few runs at like uh, the most recent altitude camp in park city. We were basically like debating that. And Woody's um, Woody's take is that 
him having to practice that, like let's say maybe a rep that he is starting to fall off, him having to practice going to that, you know, spot in his mind where he's having to rally and kick really hard, he thinks is a huge advantage for him. Um, and then we're, you know, then we got into debating of is it better to to rally and finish the rep or is it better to actually stay on and do the whole rep? But that's um, for a separate conversation. But yeah, I mean, I think there's, <laughs> there's time. I think, you know, it's, it's something we've seen a lot through his career. I think it's something he'll do occasionally in workouts. Um, and so I think he just, you know, I think everyone has a way they feel confident running. Ideally, you know, you keep working that you can run a lot of different ways, but I think in that type of situation, I mean, we kind of saw the same thing at worlds and he unfortunately fell there was a huge gap. And then the last lap, I think he's running another 54 and is almost one of the time qualifiers. in. I think it's just something he's done so much throughout his running career that he always believes that he is going to be able to close hard no matter what. Um, you know, I think I heard a story when he first joined Bowerman that he, uh, he told the guys he would never close a race, not sub 60. I don't know if he's been perfect on that, but I think that kind of just summarizes the mindset of he's like, no matter what, like that last lap, I'm going to be able to, to go. I think yeah. we'd give him a hard time that, you know, you still got to be there with 400 to go, but it makes, I mean, it makes the races super exciting. I mean, USA's was, yeah. Like I said, when he went around me, I was like, he's going to get him. I was like, <laughs> yeah, there's no way, there's no way he doesn't. So. Yeah. Well, that's awesome to have a, just that, that training crew. And I know you're, you're, you're pushing the pace too, from what, from what we hear, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, Sean, tell us a little bit, just uh, your experience at, you know, racing, but also just being at worlds again, back in Eugene. Um, what, what was that like? I mean, it, it was incredible. I think just from watching events like this for so long, like, like being in the call room with all these guys you've seen on TV um, for the first time is just, you know, part of it's surreal. You're still like trying to just get in the mindset of like, okay, like I know you're chapter guy and you're the world record holder, but I need to like, you know, it's just like everyone else on the day. But I just think to like experience that for the first time um, was really special. I, it's, it's also just, I mean, it's a great part of Bowerman is that on the line, like I'm lining up with my teammates and yeah. I think that's super unique. It's super calming and relaxing and i think like you know when we're running and i'm running right behind mo and grant i think that kind of makes it feel like something you know you're ready for and i think you know that was big with just training with them the entire year and just being a part of this group is i think when you get to the meet you've trained with people that have either medaled or are competing for medals and you believe that you belong it's not you know you don't necessarily feel like you have that imposter syndrome like you know you are confident that you deserve to be competing with the world's best. Um, and, you know, I, I competed relatively early into the champs. So just to be able to be around it all the rest of the week was, was super special. I love track and field, you know, across the board. And I mean, Sydney's race obviously yeah. stands out, but just um, all the different races and just being in like the team 10 and seeing how, honestly, it's such a unique and wide spectrum of like emotions. Um, you know, especially that, that Sunday, for example, um, the women's 5k final or Saturday, sorry. Um, you know, obviously for our team, Carissa got a little banged up. Um, and so that was, you know, super sad. So there's a lot of emotion there. You have, um, I believe it was the Spanish four by one, like literally celebrating, throwing people in the air, um, <laughs> for like a race they had you people that medal that are happy, you people that like didn't medal that are super sad. I mean, it is like, 
every single like emotion people could possibly be feeling is happening like in this like one area and it's just so i think just it was just really cool to just observe and take in um and be a part of in that environment and um you know it was just i think um sorry i'm kind of rambling on this but also like every single person just said how special it was like no matter who you were when you were introduced and representing the united states the crowd would cheer and i think that was just super surreal and then um also in the 10k they had a great usa chant going on the backstretch and you just really feed off that energy and you know being you know the home team you know is something that we will probably never experience again in in our careers um i think well i guess you know we're all cross country in 2026 but um as far as like outdoor track i think that was just something everyone on the team will probably remember for the rest of their careers and lives. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, that was, a, I mean, it looked fun on, uh, on TV. And I, I think for the most part got good reviews in terms of attendance, but, um, but yeah, no, that was, it was fun, fun watching guys out there now. Um, kind of just, you know, moving forward here, I know that uh, around worlds, obviously um, I guess a little bit before that, some, you know, large news came out of the Bowerman camp. Um, that uh, that your head coach Jerry Schumacher will be taking over as the Oregon director of the track and field and cross country program. Um, did that? When, where, where did you first hear about that? <laughs> um, I first heard about it at altitude camp. We okay. um, it was like kind of maybe ten days ten days out from Worlds, and um, Oregon was going to do their due diligence, where you know they kind of just reach out to some current athletes um to talk about you know jerry are there any red flags stuff like that kind of just like that little background check and um i think they're going to reach out to elise and grant and so jerry you know had to give them a call to give them a heads up that was happening and that turned into a team meeting with him later that night to kind of talk about it it sounds like it really you know picked up steam quickly um because at usa's you know i joked with him that i'd heard he was going to be the one taking the job and he's like no, like I haven't even talked to them. He's like, I don't even know if Robert Johnson is is no longer going to be there. Um, and it seems like just the weekend before he was reached out about the position, things really moved fast. We kind of had that team meeting on Wednesday and then a week later, um, you know, the deal was finalized and um, it was announced, I think on that Monday heading into the world championships. Wow. Hey, that was quick. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what's the deal? Are you moving to Eugene or the Bowerman color switching to green? <laughs> you know, we joked with him. Uh, thankfully, since red is my favorite color, the colors will be staying the same. Um, but the plan is, um, you know, I think for, for most, if not everyone, to move down to Eugene, um, especially with Jerry there. Um, you know, our team is so um, all over, honestly, because we'll still, you know, be doing altitude camps in Flagstaff, altitude camps in Park City. And you know, in a different year, we will sometimes do altitude camps in St. Moritz. So um, Eugene will be home base. I don't know how many months out of the year we'll be home, similar to to Portland. But um, in the process of, you know, looking at places that we would potentially want to live in Eugene and the plan will be to to move once this season is all wrapped up. So it's definitely that was also unique flying into Eugene for Worlds, knowing this is like where we're going to be living, you know, ever since. I first went there in college, especially with the thing in the Pac-12, it just always, you know, it's always a business trip. Um, and so it's kind of kind of weird flying in thinking, oh, like, okay, this is gonna be home now. Well, all I'm asking, Sean, is if you when when you move there, 
And if we ever, and, and if Pat and I come back out, we would love to get a tour of the, of the tower at Hayward Field. <laughs> that is oh, hundred percent. I mean, I mean I'm Jerry. Yeah. There. yeah. <laughs> we just kept joking with him. That's where he was going to be watching the meet from. Well, and, I mean, uh, Pat, Pat told me that Phil Knight has a, uh, has a condo at the very top. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, that's a rumor floating <laughs> around. The, urban legend. Urban legend. Uh, and yeah. then there was, there's, then there's a helo pad at the very, very top. I mean, these are all <laughs> things we've heard. I, we just, you know, we're going to need someone who on the inside, like yourself to, uh, oh, yeah. to, I to, mean, to give us the insight. I'm pretty sure there's a secret elevator. You don't see, yeah. there's <laughs> be, you know, there's definitely, there's a secret layer in there. Somewhere. It, it looks impenetrable by the naked eye. Like it's like a Willy Wonka situation for sure. There's definitely like, it, there's a thing. The shoot you out. Yeah, 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 I can blast through the the glass ceiling. Well, before we let you go, Sean, we really appreciate you hopping on. Got a few things, or just a, one or two questions on Raleigh. We're so glad to have you back. Uh, a, lot, a lot of folks, just you know, you and you have a lot of connections. Maybe real quick, you know, uh, what are your connections to the Triangle? Okay, and I'm we know you know Emily Pritt and Ryan Hill, so we'll go ahead and take yes. those out. But uh, there's a couple other people over uh, in light blue that you're connected I to. I got I got a good question for you, Sean. I, I, I was thinking about this earlier. You might be the most connected Carolina guy. I know. And I was thinking about your points of reference. Of course, Milt coached you in college. She's now the coach at Carolina. Mm-hmm. When I was in college into the late 90s, Jerry was the assistant coach there before he went to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Of course, Shalane is a Tar Heel. Your parents are Tar Heels. And now Connor Lane and one of your former tar- is coming yeah, to Carolina. Oh, I know. So, you know. I have a he lot still of, wearing uh, a Stanford hat when I saw him jogging with the team at Homestead. <laughs> I was like, bro, come on, like upgrade. You'd think he would, uh, you'd think he'd switch at, at this point. But yeah, I mean, I know people from, you know, the Wolf Pack. I know a lot of, uh, a lot of Tar Heels. My uncle actually also went to UNC. Um, he ran there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Shalane, her husband, a lot of, a lot of former teammates, Connor, Alex Osberg, uh, Steven's training out there right now. Um, a lot of connections to UNC and then obviously just um, going to the Outer Banks every single year just has always just made me feel connected to to North Carolina. And I mean, there's a there's a period of time where I definitely felt like I would potentially um, be going to UNC or be in the uh, the Raleigh area. And, and now I'm actually just thinking more connections. My uh, one of my great friends growing up playing soccer, he went to Wake Forest, played on their team. He was a um, you know, I, I forget what the trophy's called, but he was like NCAA player of the year while he was down there. So that, um, those three universities, um, or four throw in Duke, um, Duke's usually just been a lot of just hate or pain based on how the basketball <laughs> season goes. But, um, yeah, UNC, UNC basketball is still always my team. There we um, go. So, you know, the guy or Mo was giving me a hard time this year. Cause he was like, who would you want to win in a basketball game? Like UNC or Stanford? And I was like, Oh, UNC. And he just thought that was right. ridiculous since I'd never attended. He's like, how are you not going to support your, your own school? And I was like, you know, I just, I grew up Carolina blue basketball. So. Hey man, um, I, I understand that. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah no, next time you're here, you got to get milk to get, get you the good tickets. I, know, I mean, honestly, I know, seriously. Um, I haven't actually been on campus in a little bit. You know, we would go every, I feel like a few years, my parents would, would take us through and they showed us, you know, all the spots that they used to go to where their first date was, things like that. But I think they got to go down for homecoming. They went to one of the football games. So um, hopefully I can partake in that. Maybe if I'm back there this fall. There we go. I had one other thing. It's a, pers- it's a note. Someone wanted me to tell you that when you're in town, that you know, we know one of the first things you said on your uh, on your uh, 
<laughs> uh, thing is you love ice cream that ice cream is the way to your heart and someone wanted mm -hmm. me to tell you to go to two roosters they said two go roosters. to okay. two roosters you won't be disappointed i just i have to, I have to pass that along i, I, I can mean, go ahead and I verify would, that yeah. i would love to do that i mean i know uh i know there's the post-race party at, i think it's raleigh brewing company but yes, definitely if, I, if i'm not there you know i'm at two roosters two roosters we'll get somebody to bring you some, yeah we'll get yeah. some yeah i mean yeah, that yeah, would exactly. be fantastic i thought but, you were going to try and push me on the taco bell that that i might still hold off on no no um, not, I, I have a bet with uh with elise on if she beats me in a swimming race uh which this has been from like 2020 we still need to do it but that i have to have taco bell if she beats me so well i can um, tell you this much if you have taco bell at this point you're gonna have another surgery on your intestines so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go ahead. That, that, is, yeah. not a, that is not a uh, five-star review right there. So, I will, yeah, I'll stick with two roosters. Two roosters. I All right, what, what do you – Someone listening, bring Sean. He's not because it'll it'll be closed. Bring have have some uh, ice cream on a cooler ready for Sean post race. What what, fla what flavor is the actual I mean, key to your heart? Cookies and cream has that, always been a it. favorite, but their, their cookies and cream is excellent. I share it with my if daughter. You, if you've had time. it, then yeah. yeah, cookies and cream would be All great. Right, yeah. But otherwise, you know, I would trust I would trust whoever if they have a flavor that is is known for them. Um, I like a good surprise. Okay. All right, yeah. fan base, do, do work your magic. Make sure Sean's got this in hand. Uh, on, on you know, Everett Raleigh Brewing. Uh, but yeah, Sean, man, we're uh, well. I appreciate you coming on. We are so excited. I know you'll be in Raleigh in a few days. Uh, the weather is warming up. Uh, well, it's been hot. It'll stay hot, yeah. but it'll be <laughs> hot for for uh, for some hot times. And we're excited to uh, to have to have you back in Raleigh. Uh, everybody's really excited to have you. Oh, I'm thrilled. I can't wait to run a mile. Um, it always has a special place in my heart, similar to ice cream, but. <laughs> it's you know the 10k is 10k has been good this year but 15 and 15s and miles ooh, i love them so i'm really excited this is just such a great event um i mean i just can already picture the atmosphere and yeah i can't wait awesome well there you go guys sean mcgordy bowerman track club joining us in a few days thanks sean thank you in my mind i'm Sunshine, can't you just feel the moonshine? Ain't it just like a friend of?